Hey, how you doing? I'm Steve Folland. Welcome to the final one of this season. And it's supported by Freelancer Magazine, helping you grow a freelance business you love, sharing inspirational stories from freelancers around the world, freelance-specific business advice, practical tips, trends, events, and lifestyle features. Freelancers across 25 countries are already subscribed to Freelancer Magazine. Make yourself one of them at freelancermagazine.co.uk. There's a digital version, yeah, sure, but... Get those sweet, glossy pages in your hand. But right now, let's find out what it's like being freelance for brand and web designer, Michael Woods. The biggest feedback that I get on my current website is it feels like you know exactly who this person that's running this business is, and you either love that or you don't. That's exactly what I wanted to achieve and I've noticed such a huge difference in the clients that are coming to me and that I've continued working with since making that shift. I also started realizing that nobody's catering to this audience and nobody's taking the time to show them that they're valued and that they should be able to represent themselves as a queer entrepreneur. And so I wanted to be able to help them realize that they're allowed to carve that space for themselves because I didn't realize it at first. I think that it's so common how many people will just like agree to something and then don't get back to you or or say, this sounds great, like I'll get back to you tomorrow or next week and then they just never do can be so frustrating and so I think if you can just make sure that your clients aren't chasing you around you will be their favorite freelancer of all time so there is Micah finishing off season 16 of the being freelance podcast uh we'll be back in I don't know a month or so if you're listening to this as it goes out I think May let's have a little breather (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a little breather, eat far too much chocolate and then come back, regroup. But of course, stuff always happening in the Being Freelance community. You can come find that at beingfreelance.com. Click the link also at the website. You'll find articles. You'll find details about the book club, the, the mastermind that we do called the Cookie Collective. Uh, also, the course, if you're new to freelancing or maybe you've been doing it a year or so and you're just sure there must be so much that you don't know. <laughs> spoiler alert there, there is <laughs> and it's okay you know we all figure it out we all google it as we go along but save yourself that hassle and learn not just from me but from all of my guests that are being freelance podcasts over the years that's what i've pulled together in that course you can find all the details at beingfreelance.com if you know someone starting out please do point them in the direction of that and if you've enjoyed this season and hopefully you have because there's been some cracking stories please do leave us a rating or a review wherever you can and share it, be it on LinkedIn or Instagram or Twitter or heck, in real life. Tell other freelancers perhaps how much you've enjoyed particular episodes or the whole season because that way it really does help uh, spread the word because it takes a lot of effort to put all this together. So the more the merrier, I think. Right then, shall we crack on and speak to the final guest then? And that is freelance brand and web designer Micah Woods based in Los Angeles. Hey, Micah. Hey, Steve. So happy to be here. Thanks for doing this. Of course. A little bit of LA glamour uh, to the (laughs) end of the season. Thank you. So as ever, how about we get started hearing how you got started being freelance? Definitely. So I'm what I like to call a pandemic freelancer in that (laughs) I was working at an agency pre-pandemic that was mostly based in the music industry. And what was cool about that job was I was not only a designer, but I also worked as a songwriter for them. So I was sort of a hybrid artist in many ways. But when the pandemic hit, there was much a lack of need for music design. And my job became obsolete and I was let go. And as sad as it was, It was a great opportunity for me to realize I could take everything that I've learned working in that agency environment and apply it to my freelance life. So from there, I just sort of put the beacon call out to my connections and just let them know, hey, I'm taking on work for my own projects. If you know of anybody looking for anything, I would love to be a part of it. And from there, it just kind of grew and client to client, it's just grown into now being almost two years of a fully successful brand and web design agency. Nice. And before you were let go and made that transition, had you 
done freelance work on the side did you have like a i guess like a presence you know like a website or like did you have the groundwork done yeah i mean i definitely had design work showcased on a website of my own but i didn't really position myself as a freelancer or really as accepting work freelance work it was more so if there was a job that I was interested in and they wanted to see my work, I would send them that portfolio link. Mm -hmm. But in terms of doing freelance work on the side, it was mostly for friends and family is kind of the freelance that I did before. But for the most part, the jobs that I was taking were strictly in-house at the agency. And so those first clients just came from people you knew? Yeah, the my very first client was actually one of my closest friends. Her sister was starting a brand and she needed branding and a website done. And she reached out to me and didn't have a very big budget, but I knew, okay, this is my first freelance client. You kind of got to take a loss in the beginning to start gaining those bigger ticket clients. So I, I worked with her and it was surprisingly challenging, I would say, which in hindsight was the best case scenario to have your first project be a difficult one because I learned so much of now I know exactly what not to do. <laughs> In what way was it challenging? I th I just didn't really set up boundaries with the client. So mm. it was a lot of last minute changes and adjustments. And next thing I knew, we had gone through over 20 revisions on the branding. And I just was very much a yes person at that time. And I quickly realized that I need to be very clear with the deliverables and very clear with my hours of operation so that I'm not being taken advantage of. So how did, yeah, I'm not, don't worry, I'm not going to make you go through every single client one by <laughs> one. But when it came to client two, then you approached it differently. I absolutely approached it differently. I beefed up my contract for first. And I just really was very clear. And I also think I learned that I wasn't asking the right questions before. And it made me quickly realize that I need to get a deeper understanding of exactly what this client needs and how what I do delivers that to them. So that when it comes to starting the project, there aren't really any question marks everything is answered and we both know exactly what we're expecting from the other person and really creating very clear deadlines and due dates and expectations on both of our ends has it changed over the past two years of where your clients have come from is it still from your network um i would say probably about 40 percent of my clients currently are referral based but uh, I would say a majority come from two different places. One is Instagram is a big one for me. I'm pretty active on there. And a lot of newer businesses and newer entrepreneurs find me through that platform, as well as through Webflow, which is what I use to build websites. What I love about that platform is they really highlight their users and they want to showcase the work that's being done by the people building sites within their platform. So I'm really lucky in that they love the work that I do and they love showcasing it. That is great. Do you have to prompt that, if you see what I mean? Like, do you have to contact them or are they permanently just on the lookout? They're permanently on the lookout. You have the opportunity every time you launch a site to showcase it. They have a yeah. showcase where you can look through things. But the way that most of my clients come is because when I push out a project, they have a team that's looking through everything that's being showcased and then they push certain projects to be featured. And they also send out a weekly email that shows the ones that they're featuring. And I've been lucky that the past three or four projects that I've done, they've showcased. Yeah. Lucky or just very good by the sounds of it. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I like that perspective. I'm, you're right. It's not that I'm lucky. It's that I've worked really hard and I'm just getting validation for that. That's cool. And and am I right in thinking that on Webflow as well, that you can be listed as in your work isn't just there on a gallery, but people can hire you through it? Or am I making that up? They can't directly hire me through it. They can essentially reach out to me. So I am right. also a certified Webflow expert, which was I had to go through a like four really challenging quizzes to prove that I actually know what I'm doing within the platform and also show them four projects that I've completed that check off their list. And they also grade it on a rubric. So 
I passed and was added as an expert. So now, yes, people are able to search me through the Webflow expert platform. And actually, there's a form where they can reach out to me and it sends me an email, but they don't actually hire me directly through the platform. That's cool, though, isn't it? So it's more like a directory of, of experts. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. And would you say that the work that you do has changed over that time? Oh, my gosh. Yes. When I look back at that first project, it's interesting to see how much has changed and just how much better it is. <laughs> I think that it's really amazing to just watch my growth in my freelance journey and also seeing how I've sort of stripped away some of the rules that I was taught in that agency world that had to be followed and abided by. And I feel like I've seen more success come from my breaking of the rules than sticking to them. Do you think it helps to have had that agency experience in the first place? Though? I think it helped in terms of understanding how to communicate with clients and how to create a great client experience and relationship. But I don't know if it was totally necessary for me as a designer to have worked in that agency world. It taught me a lot of lingo and a lot of the sort of best practices in using certain programs and especially like with Adobe but I don't think that it was totally necessary to become a great designer. And I feel like I've become a better designer not being in the agency world. Hmm. It's interesting you use the word client experience. I remember earlier in just a few weeks ago, uh, Tiana, a photographer, using that, that phrase. How, how do you view a client experience? So I think it's from that first initial inquiry to sending off final deliverables even past that and asking for feedback on the experience. I think for me, I define client experience as any communication between myself and the client and making sure that I'm creating an experience that feels worth it to them, whether that's sending them a little gift when they book with me or going as far as just checking in on a personal level and just allowing the client to know that they're in good hands and they're working with somebody that's on their team and like wants to see them succeed. That's interesting because if we go to your website now, and of course there'll be a link at beingfreelance.com so people can, they'll see that you present as an agency. Mm -hmm. It's still very much got your name. It's OK Micah, right? Yeah. Yeah, which I love. And it's an amazing website. So you have to go and have a look at it anyway. So go take a look. But at what point did you stop just being Micah Woods and be OK Micah? Or did you start off down that route? OK Micah came about when I, after working with my first few clients, I realized that my portfolio website wasn't bringing in new work and it wasn't showcasing me as somebody who it wasn't showcasing what I do. So that's when I came up with the name OK Micah and sort of branded it as what it is today. Because the truth of the matter is, it is mostly just me doing the work, but I do outsource certain aspects of the business when it comes to copywriting, as well as photography, because a lot of times those are the two biggest things holding clients back that I've noticed. So as much as it is just me running it, there's a lot of behind the scenes work being done by other freelancers. So I love the idea of it being Micah as a brand. But the truth of the matter is, is that I'm running a mini agency as a freelancer and mm. working with other freelancers. And so so your personality still runs through it. Yeah, it, you really do have to go and have a look at it because it's always <laughs> it's a, quite a tricky thing to pull off. Has has that website changed in, in, in the last couple of years and how like you put your business across into the world? Yeah, it has changed. I think the first initial website that I launched didn't have that personality that the current one does. And what I noticed was the clients that were coming to me weren't aligned with the clients that I wished I was working with. So I did a lot of deep strategy work as to what I wanted the new brand to look and to feel like so that it communicated exactly who I wanted to work with. So a lot of that was done through branding and the web design process. And I think 
as well, the copywriter that I worked with, who actually is my life partner, he's very, very talented and he knows me better than anybody, right? So he was really able to take my voice and translate it through the copy. And I think that it's where the design and the copy meet that really evoke that feeling. That's the biggest feedback that I get on my current website is exactly that of it feels like you know exactly who this person that's running this business is and you either love that or you don't. So I think that's exactly what I wanted to achieve. And I've noticed such a huge difference in the clients that are coming to me and that I've continued working with since making that shift. That's so cool. What What's that change been like? Oh, it's been incredible. I mean, before it was, you know, I'm a queer person. So it's really important to me that my clients understand that is a huge aspect of who I am. And it's what I bring into everything that I do. And I, you know, my biggest frustrations in the agency world and in my first client meetings, and every now and then I still have a meeting with people where I get called like, hey, bro. And I, it's not something that I necessarily identify with. And it sort of, it takes me out of it. And I stop listening for a moment when that happens, because it just doesn't feel good when that happens. So I love that now the clients that are coming to me totally get that and are very much on board with that. And it's the reason why they want to work with me. Mm, Because I noticed on on your website, you sort of talk about helping queer businesses, for example. Mm -hmm. Uh, And a lot of your copy (laughs) is brilliant, uh, is (laughs) aimed in that direction so there's there's putting yourself out there well there's putting yourself across to your true self mm-hmm. and saying this is who i am this is who you're going to work with so that's one side of it but the other then is niching your business as well to say right. i'm gonna work with queer businesses yeah and i think that it was working my first year as a freelancer i quickly realized that maybe out of the 10 clients that i had one was a queer led business. And it was that project that I absolutely loved. And I was the most excited to continue working on. And every single one of those meetings was so amazing because we would start with like, did you watch Drag Race last night? And there was just (laughs) this like amazing immediate friendship that happened between me and that client. And I realized that that's where my joy lies. And that's exactly the type of person that I want to continue working with and that I want to build my business around because I also started realizing that nobody's catering to this audience and nobody's taking the time to show them that they're valued and that they should be able to represent themselves as a queer entrepreneur. And so I wanted to be able to help them realize that they're allowed to carve that space for themselves because I didn't realize it at first. How do you get that message out there? Because it's pretty clear once I'm on your website, but um, I think you mentioned Instagram is a big Mm -hmm. thing. Yeah, so I I try to highlight queer founders on my Instagram. Uh And it's interesting because sometimes I'll post on my story like a question that's like, what are some of your favorite queer-led businesses? And it's very rare that anybody can really think of some, but I know of plenty and there are, a lot of great resources out there that you can find these queer led businesses, but it's maybe not necessarily that easy to find. So it's something that I enjoy doing is to be a space for people to find those businesses, because the truth of the matter is a lot of queer people want to support queer owned businesses, but they just don't know where to find them. So you're not just promoting your own business, you're lifting up others and people are finding your business in in that path. Definitely. Yeah. Which must feel good. (laughs) It does feel good. I think that sometimes I forget how good it feels until having a conversation like this. And I'm like, wow, I am doing something special and Mm. it's so important to me and it's so aligned with my values. So to be able to highlight others as well is is a huge huge blessing. And have you... found that you are then getting recommended within the queer community definitely i think that most of my referrals are from queer-led businesses to queer-led businesses because 
they often come to me and they're like, we worked with this designer or this developer and it was super frustrating because they just didn't understand who we are or what we do. And we talked to a friend about it and they talked about you and how their experience was the complete opposite of that. And so working with you sounds like a no brainer. You know, I've spoken to a few people who in this season alone who have really got value driven businesses, which I love. But it also makes me wonder sometimes, like, do opportunities come to you which maybe don't have the budget, but you're, you know, like you because you really believe in them, there's kind of like that conflict between the values and the business. I think that is probably my number one challenge where I'm at in my business right now. And it's something I'm trying to figure out because as much as I want to scale and continue to grow, it's exactly that. I don't want to leave behind the person who doesn't have a huge budget, but deserves just as much talent and representation in their industry. So it's something I'm I'm trying to find a solution to in my business because I don't want to leave them behind. And I also want to scale. So it's sort of, it feels like a Sophie's choice of how do I continue doing the work that I am so in love with in terms of passion while also growing a successful and profitable business. Now, how about the way you run your business? Because you mentioned that, you know, you hire other freelancers that you, well, I, I can see from your website that you have lots of different services that you offer all aligned. But how do you get on with like the managing, you know, not just being the creative doing the thing, but managing the business? Yeah. So I am lucky to have a lot of apps and tools that do it for me, which is amazing. I think my favorite is a US-based company called Collective that acts as sort of a finance all in a way where they are my bookkeepers, they're my accountants. I have quarterly meetings with them to discuss all things financial because the truth of the matter is I don't know what I'm doing when it comes to taxes, but they do and they're really good at it. And they've been with me for about a year now. And it's been so amazing to have them teach me how to elect myself as an S-corp and how to pay myself on payroll and other employees and exactly how to set up contractors to pay them properly so that when tax season comes, I mean, I've been watching so many of my friends and freelancers on Instagram be like, dreading my taxes, uh, just spent five days straight doing taxes. And I'm over here being like, I clicked a few buttons on this website and I'm done, <laughs> which is so amazing. And I think that I, anytime anybody asks me, I'm like, if this is available for you, check these people out because they have been such a game changer for me and my business. And then in terms of sort of project management, I love for my business, Dupesado has completely automated everything for me. And I worked with somebody who helped me set it up. So from that inquiry until the end of the project, a lot of my systems are completely in place. So when this gets checked off as done, an email gets automatically sent to the client. And when this is done, this is done, everything is totally automated. So I went from spending probably... 15 hours a week figuring out client communication to now it's as easy as takes me probably like two to five minutes a day doing that so i'm really able to focus on just designing that's so good and rather than figure it out yourself you hired a uh, an expert in that platform i did i think that that was something that took me about a year to realize was i don't have to do it all i can hire people who are really good at it and it's worth spending the money because that gives me more time to focus on my client work, which is where what's bringing in money and really also helps me to continue keeping that client experience really good because I wasn't trying to also figure all of these systems to put in place. I could just let somebody else do it for me and I could focus on my client relationships. Yeah, nice. Oh, is there any others? I also use Notion for all of my like project management in terms of timelines and to-do lists for me, which has been huge. I took a course called the Notion Mastery, which essentially teaches you Notion from top to bottom. And 
it creates databases where all of my to-dos are showed to me just for what I need to do today. And then I have it set up so that tomorrow is seen and it, it just takes all of the guesswork out of it. And every time I bring on a new project, it's as simple as duplicating, setting a start date, a finish date. And now all of my things are set up in place and I just can sit back and look at what I have to do today and not worry about what I have to do tomorrow because it's going to show up tomorrow. Um, you're doing this the right way, you know. I'm I'm sitting here feeling ashamed <laughs> because <laughs> because you know I'm I'm more like I look at a tool and I just absolutely you know I just figure it out as I go along. And particularly with Notion, I do sit there and I think this is such a powerful thing. And it's kind of like I'm just it's 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 basically like having one of those fantastic outside grill barbecues that you get in the states, <laughs> and I'm only cooking toast on it. It's that kind of thing. <laughs> and and. The thing is, I was using Notion wrong for a very long time because <laughs> the same thing, it, I knew what it was capable of. I just didn't know how to make it do it. But I realized, and that was one of the places where I was like, do I hire somebody to set this up for me or do I take this course and learn how to set it up for myself? And I felt that the value of being able to know exactly how it's working was more important to me than mm. just having somebody set it up for me. Yeah, I do find Notion very helpful. Not just not just for like for to dos, but like a almost like a repository of all the different projects, so I can easily click around on them and ideas. And but also for sharing with other people. And you've mentioned hiring and working with other freelancers. How have you found that experience? And I know you said one of them is your partner, but <laughs> yeah. equally that can be treacherous ground for some people. So how have you found it? <laughs> you know, we have our we have our days, of course. But for the most part, we are very understanding and respectful of each other's work ethic. And it also is great knowing how each other works so well that there are just there's just a lot of joy that comes to working with each other because we understand each other so well. But in terms of hiring elsewhere, it has been really good and also really bad. I will say it is hard sometimes to find the right person for a job. And there are just certain areas and everybody works differently. So I think that has been probably one of the toughest things for me figuring out and navigating as a business owner is finding the right people who work in a way that's aligned with how I work. How do you figure that out? <laughs> Trial and error, I think, is the truly the only way. Because now I feel like I understand when contracting out, when I'm meeting with somebody, I have certain questions and understandings and also like certain programs that I enjoy using. So if that person doesn't like using that program, we're not a good fit because I don't want to have to work with something that I don't want to work with because I have my systems in place and I need you to either work my way or you're not the type of person I want to work with. How great is Micah? Back with him in a moment. Honestly, I can't recommend you go and check out Micah's website enough. The way it gets across his personality, but also serves business functions as well, is so, so good. And, okay, not all of us can have a website that looks like that, because that's his website. But we can all have a website that works for us, particularly by concentrating on the SEO. So many of our guests have mentioned how important this is to them. And the tool I've been using to help with being freelance.com's SEO recently is Ahrefs Webmaster Tools. It is free. I can't stress. It's not like a free trial. It's just free. And like I've mentioned across this season, all the various things I've been doing with it, I didn't know what they meant. I just clicked the little button that they have all over their website, which explains it to numpties like me. And then I go, oh, okay, here's the change I can make. So they pull together this really comprehensive audit and then prioritize the things that you can change to make a difference to how Google and other search engines see you. And that could make a difference ultimately to your business. So please do take the time to check them out. hrefs.com slash A-W-T. There's a link in the show notes, of course, to this episode. And hrefs is spelled A-H-R-E-F-S dot com. Thank you, as always, to hrefs for supporting this podcast. Okay, let's get back to Micah's story then. Has going through that process of working with other freelancers helped you dealing with your clients or f seeing how a client must feel when they approach you? A hundred percent. I think that 
being a client for other freelancers teaches you so much about what to do and what not to do, especially. I think the biggest one is just like being responsive and (laughs) not disappearing. I think that it's so common and so frustrating how many people will just like agree to something and then don't get back to you or, or say, this sounds great. Like I'll get back to you tomorrow or next week. And then they just never do can be so frustrating. And so I think if you can just make sure that your clients aren't chasing you around, you will be their favorite freelancer of all time. <laughs> if if it wasn't so long, that would make a great bumper sticker. That's uh, that's a good good bit of advice. Um, because it it's funny though, because it sounds like that shouldn't be that hard, but it also sounds like some maybe it is. Well, I think unfortunately with the way technology is, it has become as easy as not responding, right? It's simple to like forget about an email or things, they don't get lost, but maybe it's just like not a priority for them. So I think that if you can ensure that you are making your clients a priority, they will know and they will feel like they're a priority and therefore they'll be happy. Um, When it comes to work for you, how many projects might you have on the go at once? Or is it like do one finish onto the next one? No, I I usually stack about two to three projects a month. So, and I stack them so that due dates are always stacked. So if a client's wireframe is due Monday, my other client that has a due date that week isn't due until Thursday. So that way I'm always ensuring that I have the time to make sure that I'm able to complete all the work. And that was a big learn for me in the last year was here I am having a lot of people wanting to work with me. How can I take on these clients in a sustainable way without getting burnt out? And it was really as simple as planning it (laughs) (laughs) and time blocking things and really being strategic with and mapping out exactly when things are due and being realistic with my timelines and ex- and knowing that if I if it takes me 3 days give yourself 5 so that there's always that little bit of buffer because things come up and some days you do just want to sit on the couch and watch four seasons of keeping up with the Kardashians and you as a freelancer that's one of those perks that you should be allowed to take advantage of I think <laughs> when it comes to work-life balance then how because that kind of follows on from that how how's that for you it's really great now it wasn't always great I was that freelancer who wanted to be so successful that they were willing to work 20 hours a day and I loved it until I didn't. And it just, I started watching my personal life fade away and my relationship struggle. So I knew that I had to make a difference in how I was working so that I was able to even have a semblance of a work-life balance. And my brother is a project manager for a pretty big tech company. And he loves to talk about how work-life balance is not achievable, but you can create a work-life harmony. And I I really take that to heart because I think it is more about not trying to balance the two, but having them work together in harmony in a way that feels good to you. And so it was just about taking stock of what do I want to make time for and what do I not want to make time for and how can I outsource things that aren't bringing joy into my life so that I'm able to then do things that do bring joy to me. So now you feel like you're in that harmonious place. A hundred percent. It has been, especially I would say in the past three months has been my best months, both personally and as a freelancer. Have you defined that difference and how to cling on to it? I think for me, it just is all about boundary setting. Honestly, I think that it's being strict with myself about working hours and, but also there's some leniency there. And I think that's 
for me, that's been helpful, but it is as simple as being like, it's 5 p.m. You've been working since 9 a.m. Stop. You deserve to take a break. And it took probably a month. And even there are some days where I'm sitting not working after 5 p.m. and feeling guilty about not working. And I just have to continually remind myself, you are allowed to take a break. You're allowed to not work. Be good to yourself because you deserve this. You work so hard. You have to be kind to yourself and allow yourself to be free and to take advantage of the perks of being a freelancer, which are setting your own schedule. And maybe some days you do want to work from 3 p.m. to 8 p.m. And that's okay. But making sure that that client communication, I am very strict now where if I get an email at 8 p.m., I will not respond to it until my working hours because my feeling is that when you respond to clients whenever outside of your studio hours, it just communicates to them that they're they're going to get their way whenever they want. And they are able to, if you aren't strict with your boundaries, then they're going to take advantage of that. Yeah. Just going back to the way you sort of run your projects and things like that. I mm-hmm. noticed on your website that you list so under your services. And I appreciate, as people might listen to this in years to come, it, Websites are subject to change. They're always changing. But as I look at it right now, you list out your services, you have your packages. And I was just wondering how, whether you've noticed that has helped while you've had it like that, while you've had like an FAQ and things like that. Maybe things that you've done to your own website, which have helped uh, the process of, of getting clients. Yeah, I definitely think that being able to see exactly what is included in sort of a base package has been super helpful for clients. Something that I'm still working through and trying to figure out what works best is being transparent about pricing on my website. And I keep messing around and sort of like A-B testing to see what works better because some clients come to you and they're like, I love that your pricing was on the website. And other clients come to you and they're like, I don't think you're charging enough. And it's like, okay, how do I navigate both sides of transparent pricing, but also knowing that by having transparent pricing, if somebody comes to me with a really large budget that I'm sort of shooting myself in the foot by not, by having clear and exact pricing on my site. So I'm still trying to navigate that portion of it, but I will say that having the frequently asked questions has been huge. Ever since I added that, I, get asked those questions 100% less, shockingly. (laughs) (laughs) And it also just helps the client to understand that I've thought about what they need and what I know that they're curious about and maybe isn't immediately obvious, but that I've paid attention to what they might have concerns about or what their pain points might be. And so that I can really show them that I know what I'm doing and that I'm an expert in this field so they have nothing to worry about. Yeah, it's a really... I, I, I won't go through them all, but do go take a look at the the FAQs because it is it is great. And yeah, that's so interesting that you like do the... I know there'll be some people listening going, oh, he does A-B testing, I like that. <laughs> um, yeah, it's tricky, isn't it? I suppose it's that thing of like... Um, we often hear about like value pricing, don't we? And right. I guess that's that thing, isn't it, of having the bigger client, but also you want to help perhaps some smaller community or startup queer business, but hasn't got that big client budget. How do you show that on your site? Yeah, it's tricky. It's really tricky. And I am trying to find the answer. So if anybody out there listening has it, <laughs> please tell me because I would love to know. And I think... You know, I've I've recently started implementing sort of like what I'm calling design intensives for those lower budget clients where it's essentially one day of work for them. And I've had a lot of success with it. And I've had clients walk away with practically full brands of just eight hours of work. And it's great for me because it takes what's usually takes three to four weeks. And I'm able to achieve that in eight hours for them. And I will say it's not as deeply strategic and there's obviously not as much work that goes into the full brand builds out build outs, but it allows the client who doesn't have a big budget to walk away with what they're needing for where they're at. And then they're likely to come back to you further down the line, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. I I do use the value-based 
pricing model and that my price is estimated based off of the client and their where they're at with their business because some projects you're bringing so much value to them and others you're they're not at that place where they have the capital to invest as much so yeah it's it's tough it's it's a hard one to solve but hopefully soon we'll solve it <laughs> um okay now micah i always do this thing where i ask for three facts about yourself to make mm-hmm. two true one a lie and let me figure out the lie what do you have for me oh i'm so ready so <laughs> <laughs> as somebody who worked in the music industry i wanted to center mine around music so here we go my first fact is that i was discovered by shania twain and on a tv show with her <laughs> Okay. My second is that I went to high school with Phoebe Bridgers and Alana Heim of the band Heim. (gasps) And my third is that I was a junior designer on Beyonce's Lemonade. The greatest tragedy here is that one of them isn't true (laughs) because they are all great. Okay, how on how does Shania Twain go about discovering someone? (laughs) I'm not entirely sure what that means. How did how does Shania discover you? Okay, so I was a singer in New York for many years, singing in hotels and bars and restaurants. And I was singing at a hotel that I also bartended at. And one day, this guy walked up to me and he was like, can you play any country songs? And I was like, yeah, I can play some country music. I I was a Leanne Rimes number one fan as a child, like officially in her fan club with a card that i could like show and get nothing with but that made me feel cool and so i played a leanne rhyme song and then the next day i get a phone call that's like hi this is shania twain and i was like haha good one good one alexa because who's who's playing with me she was like no really this is shania so she ended up she was a producer on this new tv show that they were putting together in nashville that she was going to be a judge on and she wanted me to come on and be one of the performers so they flew me out to nashville and i lived there for about a month and a half and i got to be on the show and like meet with her and ended up you know, getting to work with her a little bit after too. So it was a really, really crazy and very New York experience. Oh my gosh. You... <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, so, so much about that story. I love, but also you've just reminded me just the other day, I was thinking, do fan clubs still exist? Do people still get the card through the post? For, as you say, but you can't do anything with, because I was in the Kylie fan club. When I yes. was, you know, eight, nine years old, and I, I had the card, I had mm-hmm. this little plexi disc, you know, it was like vinyl, but it was made out of plastic with a message from Kylie. She did it just for me. And yeah, I thought, does that exist? Is that still a probably not? I, I don't think so. I mean, there's Patreon, but I don't know any right. like major celebrities that are on Patreon. But I think they should bring that back because it it made me feel so cool. And it was as it wasn't like she did anything, you know, it was as simple as just making some kid feel special by having your team send them a framed poster and a laminated card. (laughs) Um, Okay, the next one is so you went to high school with Haim. Haimer, I mate. you went to high school with them. So they are. They're three sisters, right? Three sisters, yes. And there's an arts high school here in LA called Loxa. And I was there as a musical theater kid and as well as an opera student. And so Alana specifically was in my opera class and she and I were very, very close. And, you know, we had a very LA arts high school experience in terms of the partying and just the silliness and running around town being troublemakers. And it's, it's so cool to get to see how much success they've had. And honestly, it started in the UK. Like they were, they were performing a lot here when we were in high school and a lot of those famous songs they would play and everything. And they had like their family band. But then I remember they went to the UK for, a festival I, I can't think of the name but it was like all of a sudden they were humongously famous and it was just because the UK fell in love with them and I mean I can't blame them they're the silliest funniest girls but 
yeah, I mean, they're just, they're really, really great. And I love them and enjoyed my time getting to know them and continued. Our conversations are very far in between nowadays, but occasionally we'll talk on Twitter, Alana and I will. And it's, it's just great to still be, to see their success. Oh, God, I hope this is true. And yeah, so uh, you worked on Beyonce's Lemonade, what, uh, on the artwork? Yeah, so any of the assets that you see, I was a, I was a junior designer, so I mostly was just like pixel pushing for the creative direction team, which was such a great experience. And it was one of those projects where when it when I was brought onto the team, it was like, wait a minute. I'm getting to work for the one, the only Beyonce. I don't care if I'm going to get coffee for the creative director of this project. <laughs> I I just want to be a part of it no matter what. So when that email came through and I was offered to be part of that project, it was such such a dream come true because I am like number one Beyonce fan, tried and true. So getting to work on the album artwork as well as some of the motion graphics that were used throughout the videos and just sort of creating that digital landscape that was centered around Lemonade. And, you know, she's so great at secretly dropping projects. And so it was so fun getting to watch the world see all of the hard work that the team had done on that project and loving it as much as we did. I was going to say that was one of those ones which came out of nowhere. So you must have been working, you know, we we all get asked to sign contracts occasionally that bind us to secrecy. But I imagine that one was pretty tight. It was, I mean, it's as much as like, it feels like you're signing your soul over to the Beyonce God, um, because it is just so strict and there's, there's just no room to even tell your mother that you're working on the project. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how do I know? That that could well be, yeah, clearly you're an excellent designer. Whether you were in New York or LA at the time, it's yeah i mean why can that that can be true that that can easily be true so but did you go to school with heim and that was very believable shania twain i've got uh, clearly shania twain is the one that sticks out like a sore thumb with a cowboy hat on like this <laughs> this one does not that, i mean i i love the thought of you being on a TV show, and maybe you were. That could, that bit, um, but I uh, did Shania Twain. I, the bit I can't <laughs> quite get my head around is Shania Twain phoning you up. I feel like Shania would have, like there would be a producer of the team. Like Shania wouldn't make, she, would she? No, she, not unless they were filming it or I can't believe that she would phone up. I feel like there would be a lackey who would demand to see your Leanne Rhymes club card. <laughs> and then there would be a process before you meet the mighty Twain Towers. So wonderful as it is, I just can't believe it. I'm going to have to say that Shania Twain is the lie. Shania Twain is not the lie. No way! She <laughs> it's true. She phoned me up. Yeah. Isn't that... <laughs> it was amazing! It was shocking. Like, truly, truly shocking. I... I <laughs> I mean, I had the same reaction of like, there's no way this is Shania Twain talking to me. <laughs> like, my best friend Alexa, because we knew that she was staying at the hotel. Oh, your like, best friend was Alexa. I thought you were talking to your <laughs> robot assistant. Oh my gosh. Then, no. When you went, oh, Alexa, can you check if this is a fake phone call? <laughs> Sorry, your friend Alexa. <laughs> my friend Alexa, yeah. So, and I knew that she was staying at the hotel. And so there was a lot of celebrities came through the hotel. I mean, Beyonce was one that came through at one point. So it was one of those things where I was like, I the likelihood of her seeing me felt slim to none and so i i really thought it was my best friend playing a prank on me because i had told her oh shania twain staying at the hotel i wonder if she's gonna <laughs> see me perform and so i thought she was just pulling my leg and then you were on the tv show i was on the tv show yeah it was called real country it only <laughs> lasted for one season and honestly in retrospect you know i wasn't really a country singer or wannabe country star it just felt like one of those things where like when Shania Twain tells you to do something, you do it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it just felt like a great opportunity. And the connections I made in that doing that show and, you know, still great <laughs> friends with some of the people that I performed with. But it was it was maybe a little inauthentic for me to be posed as a wannabe country star. But 
it was just such a great opportunity and getting to, and I love country music. Don't get me wrong. And I love writing country music. So it was just, it was such a great opportunity that I couldn't say no to. So Beyonce is the lie. Beyonce is the lie. I wish it was true, <laughs> but I did. Yeah. Phoebe Bridgers was in my grade as well as Alana Hyam. So Danielle kind of has always done her own thing, but then Esty still kind of hung around in while I was in high school with Alana and I'll never forget after one opera performance, she came up to me, she slapped my butt and she said, keep it tight. (laughs) (laughs) And I just feel like if you watch her perform and like watch her like base face, which is so iconic at this point, it's just a perfect summation of her as a person is that story to me because she's just such a goofball in like the best way. And it's just so fun getting to see their success. (laughs) wonderful um okay now if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance what would that be i think i would tell myself to enjoy it all aspects of it and to really take the time to take advantage of the newfound freedom that you have as a freelancer and to value that and and to not be shy about it and to be proud of all of the work that you're doing and to continually remind yourself of your achievements because you don't have somebody telling yourself, telling you that you're doing a great job anymore. So you have to be that for yourself. Micah, it's been such a pleasure chatting to you. Thank you so much. Uh, go to beingfreelance.com. There will be links through so that you can check out the OK Micah website and then also reach out to Micah, be it on Instagram or Twitter. Go take a look. We'll have all of those links as ever at beingfreelance.com. I can't believe that's the end of this season. Please, if you've only just started at this point, go back, listen to all of the other ones. And there's over 250 ones pre prior to that but you can enjoy as well uh if you've enjoyed this so please do think about sharing it and we will be back in a few weeks time with more episodes but for now micah thank you so much and all the best being freelance yeah thank you steve this was so much fun 